say uh, we need to look at these issues from a biblical perspective. And uh, as we said this morning with salvation, we need to get it right. We've been talking about the Christian worldview, and we're having, again, there's this bifurcation that I'm seeing taking place among Christians across the country. I hear it on Christian radio stations. I hear it in various places, and there are some serious conflicting concepts regarding what should be done as far as the use of force. So I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to be a little bit cryptic in how I present it on purpose because, again, if I get into the actual issues uh, too close, then all of a sudden it becomes, well, Pastor Rich dogmatically said X. No, I want to dogmatically state what the Scriptures say and then make decisions based on our biblical understanding. So the blue section, and again, if you want these actual, I'll, I'll be happy to email them to you. It didn't print well at all. Uh, but what is on there, there have been, now catch this, and this was just a smattering of the first half of what's happened in our country in the month of, not the year of, not the quarter, the month of July, there have been 50, five, zero mass shootings in America. 50. That's, I mean, and a mass shooting, I'm not talking one-on-one -on -one violence where, you know, you got a couple of drug dealers and a guy walks up and pops somebody, shoots them, kills them, injures them. I'm talking about three or more people actually were injured or killed. Now, that should get our attention in our country that uh, we do have a serious, serious problem when it comes to violence. Now, here's where the problem comes in and why I'm spending more time on this with Christians. Uh, if I was going on talk radio with uh, whomever, I mean, I'd approach it in a total different way if it was a secular news, news station. But we're looking at this literally from a Christian perspective. So we're going to uh, uh, go through mainly the biblical concepts this morning. If I can get this guy in here, we go. There we go. We don't need that. Don't need that. We do need that. All right, so, oh, I got to go way ahead here. This was last week's. There we go, part two. So I almost, I, I, I was going to leave it alone after last week, but it's like, man, I'm just seeing so many things still in the news that, and uh, the discussions that are taking place that it's really, in my uh, uh, humble little opinion, very concerning to me when, uh, we start getting into issues about using violence as a, from a Christian perspective. So we're going to go through again the scriptures. So a couple of key questions that I want to ask, and then we'll pray and get started. All right, come on, kick in. There we go. All right, what does God's word state regarding the use of force? Now, let me just give you from a cop perspective having been one for 32 years, here's what you're taught in police academy. All right? What type of force should be used? And it's always this statement, and this is the legal definition. Use the least amount of force necessary to bring someone under control. It's the least of force necessary to bring someone under control. Now, that's from a cop perspective. These are people that are paid to keep law and order, 
and they are told don't use excessive force and of course you've seen in the news the media from around the country what happens when it's alleged that someone used excessive force what happens <laughs> you got a problem you got riots you got breakouts you got people going ballistic uh, and people now now it didn't used to be this way but uh, certain uh, especially in the urban culture right now if a cop uses force and many times even if it's it's justified there's going to be a significant outrage okay and that's because there are subversive groups out there that really could care less about the violence being used but they use the uh, a lot of it just to push their agenda and again i don't want to get into the politics of it and the anarchists this morning but what does god's word state okay so even from a christian perspective or forget the Christian part even for now, the secular law enforcement side use the least amount of force necessary to bring a subject under control. Now, in the military, it's a little bit different. Now, you have the rules of engagement there, and we're not going to get into all of that, but uh, we're not talking about the military. We're not talking about the police. We're talking about what is the appropriate thing for God's people in this current church age time. Why are there significant differences in the Old Testament approach to punitive measures? Punitive meaning game on, we're, we're going <laughs> we're gonna to have an altercation. Where are there, why are there significant differences in the Old Testament approach to punitive measures versus the New Testament approach? Now, if you go through, the, and, and many new Christians especially, when they're reading the Old Testament, it's like, wow, uh, man, they took out a whole city. They took out women and children. They took out animals. I mean, they just totally decimated things in the Old Testament. Well, when the God was bringing the, uh, uh, the Jewish people into the promised land, yeah, there were, I mean, it was serious, serious violence that took place. Uh, why did it happen? Well, it was basically God's judgment on those who were paganized, that uh, were heathens, that refused to uh, follow the Lord. And uh, there was a, a horrible violence that took place, but it was literally sanctioned by God. So it took place. Now we get to the New Testament, and all of a sudden, uh, you don't see that happening anymore. Well, the question is, why? Why did Jesus stop his disciples from fighting the soldiers at his betrayal? So here comes Peter. He sits down to disciples. He's all geared up, ready to go. And he says, well, Lord, you know, we're going out. To, uh, how, many, how many swords should we, should we take? And Peter says, I got mine here. I'm ready to go. And God says, that's plenty. We got enough. Now, if God was, an advocate, was going to advocate for the Christians to perform a bunch of violence, he didn't do a very good job training the disciples to do it. He says, okay, Peter, you got a sword. We're good. Let's go. Now, just think about that. And we're going to get into that passage a little bit later. Why don't the Scriptures record anything regarding the use of force by the apostles, disciples, and believers who are followers of Jesus Christ. Why is that? Now, I know right now, because I know there's a divergence of opinion in our room right now, you're like, okay, where are you going with this? We're going to go right to the Bible, and you make your decisions, okay? So, uh, it's very interesting, though. And we're going to get, and at the end of your study sheet, you're going to look at all of the apostles and disciples and find out how they died. It wasn't because they were in a gun battle or a knife battle. They were martyred for their faith. You say, well, I'm not going to be martyred for my faith. I'll fight to the death. That's your choice. You've got that choice. But I want us to look at what do the Scriptures say.
Does the New Testament still mandate that the government is designated to protect the people? So that's a different subject. Romans chapter 13. It's exactly what the government has been mandated to do. It was mandated back in Genesis chapter 9 after the flood. And God made it very clear that human government would be instituted to protect you. That's what the government's all about. Has the government changed its direction in the last 6,000 years? Well, just slightly. Just slightly. Actually, it wasn't 2,000 years. It would be about uh, 4,000 at this point. A little more than that, but closer to when the flood took place. So I want us to think about that. Now, again, don't, don't go running off in your minds to, is this going to be about gun control? This is going to be about how many weapons I have? Is this going to be about AR-15s? Is this going to be about my 44 Magnum? No, it's not about that today. This is about when is it appropriate to pull it out. And that's a decision you have to make. All right? So you say, I'll, I'll, just, I'll start with this just to make it very clear. You say, well, Brother Rich, are you against guns? No, I'm not against guns. Are you against knives? No, I'm not against knives. Are you against swords? Nobody uses them anymore, but no, I'm not against them. There is such a thing called the Second Amendment. You say, well, are you a constitutionalist? Absolutely I am. You have the right to, you have, the right to have as many weapons as you want within illegal binds. And there's tons, I mean, the biggest issue today is not the people that registered their guns and bought them properly and have weapons that have been uh, bought on the normal market, the normal way. The problem today is that there's millions of, and I mean millions, of illegal guns on the streets. The majority of the murders taking place are not with people who went to the store, filled out their little card, got their weapons or whatever. It's about illegal use of guns. But again, that's not even our issue this morning. So we're not talking about gun control. We're not talking about how many weapons you have in your basement. Your la- and by the way, if you do have weapons and you got a kid in your house, you better have a safe box. So I sleep with my loaded 44 Magnum under my pillow, and I tell my kids to stay out of my room. I'd rethink that. <laughs> you say, Pastor, when you were a cop for 32 years and you brought your weapons home, did you sleep with them underneath your pillow? And you ask Trevor, you can ask Tabitha. If they even saw them, it was a rare occasion. You say, why? Because I don't trust them. You say, wait a minute, they're your kids. What do you mean you don't trust them? Wow, look at there. That's daddy's service gun. Wow, this is just happened again to a young kid in Milwaukee, picks up a gun, shoots his head off. You say, are you against guns? No, but I'm against being stupid. Did I say that in public? I did. All right, enough said. Uh, Does the New Testament still mandate that the government is designed to protect people? That's, That's what the government's there for. That's what government designed it to be, not all the nonsense that takes place today. And Adam Steen said, Amen. Amen, God bless you. Preach it. Luke chapter 22. Oh, again, this blue section, this is about 25 mass shooting incidents that took place in America in July. That's only half of them. And again, if you want them, the website, yeah, I got the website up here. You can actually go right here is the website. You can go on there and look at the 300 and it was 55 incidents as of last week. So it's probably about 360 incidents as of this week. Mass shootings, horrible violence. All right. And by the way, this is just, 
this is just talking about mass shootings. How about one-on-one? How about Valerie came up to me uh, yesterday at the store. We were at a store, and she said, I can't believe what that man just said to his child. And I'm like, well, I can believe it, and I haven't heard it yet because that's the way the culture is. He just demoralized his child in public. I'm like, and you're shocked by that? Well, no, but it's terrible. It is terrible. You see, the big, and I, I touched on it this morning with, from a, a Christian standpoint when we were in Ephesians. What's the biggest problem in the church across the country today? Fighting. Can't get along with a person. Hey, oh, I don't believe that, and you ought to believe this, and I can't believe you said that. Folks, can, you, can the church be destroyed from without? It's really tough. You know how it gets destroyed? Division from within. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6, that God said, Six things I hate, yea, seven are an abomination to me. What was the big one on there? Causing division among the what? And he's like, you better learn how to get along. By the way, we're going to spend eternity together. Might as well figure it out now. (laughs) All right, Luke chapter 22, verse 47. And while he, Jesus, was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him, the kiss of betrayal. Jesus said to him, Judas. Now see, here, isn't it amazing? Judas didn't come out and say, man, there's Jesus. I'm going to take a sword and cut his head off. He said, I'm going to, I'm going to use affection. I'm going to show how much uh, 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 that I know Jesus by placing a kiss on him. Boy, you talk about a slap in the face, literally. What do we call that in um, English? Oh, yeah, hypocrisy. Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? All right, boy, first time, game on. Uh, they're, they're ready to go to battle. They're going to fight for their Savior, Jesus Christ. And one of them, hint, hint, Peter, struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. What does he do? said, Peter, oh, Peter, 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 you don't get it yet, buddy. What did he do? He went up to that soldier and said, I'll finish this the right way and I'll kill him for you. Is that what Jesus did? He walks up to him and he says, come here, buddy. Touches his ear and once you do, he heals him. Think about that. Why did Jesus not kill him? Did Jesus ever command his disciples to kill anybody? I haven't found it yet. I keep looking. Haven't found it. Romans 13. Now, I'm going to get some of you upset again, but folks, I didn't write this. <laughs> Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, Whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Verse 4. If I can get it to pop here. By the way, what testament is Romans in? And it's in the New Testament. 
is there is there any dispensational issue with Romans being for today? Anybody got one? Man, I've been studying dispensationalism for 40 years, and I just can't get Romans chapter 13 out of this dispensation, which means, folks, it's applicable. Verse 4, for he, speaking of the government, is God's minister to you for good. Now you say, well, wait a minute. Now let's, let's park the horse there. And it's like, well, the government is doing this, 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 and this, and that, that sure isn't good from my Christian perspective. And I'll agree with you on that. Absolutely, I'll agree with you on that. However, and I knew there would be division here on this issue, but we're going to go to the Scriptures. Did God call us to do a revolution? That's your decision. You, you got that decision. You can make it. I'll visit you in prison. I'll be happy to come see you. But you are not going to overthrow the American government. You're not going to do it. Well, we're going to try. Well, God bless you. You know, if that's your calling and you feel led to do it, then do it. I, I'm, well, I'm not, I, I, I retract that because I don't believe in it. I don't believe it's biblical. Not for one second does that uh, fit with Romans 13. No, God's called us to do what as Christians? To do what? Same thing that the apostles did as they gave their lives to serve him. You're not going to change the government. If you think you're going to change it, God bless you. Go for it. Vote. Yeah, vote. That'll help. That'll help. But uh, anarchy, violence, let's just keep reading what God says and you make your decision. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. You're going to come after the government, folks. I've done been one for 32 years. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. Uh, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must, I didn't write it, therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. And Paul says, listen, do, you like pay, do I like paying taxes? I got a big house in Franklin. I pay big taxes. Big taxes. Many of you pay big taxes. You like that? You like going to the store and paying taxes? I don't. I have, a, I have to pay income tax, state tax, federal tax. It's a lot of money. And you do the same thing. And you say, why do you do it? Because <laughs> God said to. Well, I don't believe that. Well, that's fine. You, you have your options. For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. I didn't write verse 7 either. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. You say, well, I don't like it. I don't either. I don't like paying taxes. I don't like a lot of things the government does. But God says, listen, you keep your mouth shut, you, live, you want to live peaceably on this earth? You go about your business. That's exactly what he says. All right, let's move on. That's just number one. First Timothy chapter 3 says, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, bishop also referring to an elder, pastor, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, in other words, not goofing around all the time, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent. Folks, I was a cop for 32 years, and I wasn't violent. You say, what do you mean? How in the world could you be a cop if you're not violent? All the time I get asked this question, how could you have been a cop and a, in ministry 
for 32 years. They don't, it, it's totally opposite. I'm like, no, it is not totally opposite. It is exactly the same. Because when I swore an oath to protect the people of Wisconsin, what is unbiblical about that? Well, nothing, because God instituted government to take care of people. That's what it's about. So, but you say, wait a minute, you said you weren't violent. No, I wasn't. I used the minimum amount of force necessary many, many times to bring people under control. You say, well, did you ever kill anybody? Never had to. Isn't that amazing? A cop for 32 years on the streets for about 15 of those, I never had to kill anybody. You say, why? Because I used a better weapon. It's called my mouth. Put the gun down! You lift that gun, I'm going to shoot you. I guess I decided not to raise it because I never had to shoot anybody. You say, well, you were lucky. Maybe. You know how many officers in the sheriff's office have actually shot someone? I could count them on probably one hand. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospital, apt to teach, not giving a wine, not violent. See, oh, Brother Rich, I bet you carry guns with you all the time. I always have two with me at all times. <laughs> not giving a wine, not violent, not get greedy for money, but gentle, gentle. See, I wonder if somebody walks in here and tries to take out the congregation. Game on. All right, game on. Game on. But I don't walk around telling people, I'm, uh, you mess with me, I'm going to take you out, man. I don't have a gun hanging off my hip. I'm not going to do it. You say, why? Because God said, knock it off. Let God take care of you. I'm not saying again, you want to carry a gun? That's fine. You're a CCW trained? That's fine. God bless you. I'm all for it. 2 Timothy 2, 24, and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. Man, God says, listen, Christian, don't even be quarreling. You know how you know why people mainly, uh, when the guns come out, yeah, you took my parking space. Yeah, you cut me off on the freeway. <laughs> how many freeway shootings have there been this year? I won't say this, but uh, you know where most of the freeway shootings took place when I was in office? I-43, right in the Marquette Interchange. So I made all the officers mad, and I said, listen, here's where the gun violence is. Every single day, I want three squads, four squads, six squads parked in that area, run radar, pull people over. You know how many incidents we had after I did that? Zero. Show of force. You want to act like a fool? Don't do it around my neighborhood. All right? That was a cop, by the way. I didn't say, listen, let's get together uh, a posse, stand out there with rifles and shotguns, and anybody that does something wrong, take a shot at No. He did it legally. All right? You're like, well, I don't buy that. That's your choice. Verse 25, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. I hate to tell you folks, but we're Christians. Here you're looking at a 33-year veteran of police work. So it's not like some, I'm not going to say that. 
I was going to see some sissy guy who wears lace underwear, but I won't say that. <laughs> so I've been around every block there is to be around. I've seen every crime there is to commit. And I also know that cops can behave themselves and enforce the law legally and with propriety. Titus chapter 3, remind them, Paul said to Titus, listen, son, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Is there an exception to this rule? There's not. Remind them to be what subject? Now you say, well, I believe that. Well, God bless you. That's your choice. As for me and my house, we will follow the Scriptures and serve the Lord. Next, James chapter 2. If, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But, if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, said also do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. All right, so let's get it very clear. If someone is attacking your wife, someone is attacking your husband, someone is attacking your children, somebody is attacking someone that you know to be totally innocent in this situation, do you have the right to protect that person? Absolutely you do. Absolutely. I will stand behind you. I'll come to court with you. I'll defend you to the death for that. Because why? The law of which we live under, the rule of law says that is a proper and right thing to do. If someone breaks into your home and is attempting to harm you, you say, well, you defend the castle doctrine. It's legal. Yes. Now, anything that falls outside of the, the premise of legal, I will not come to court for you. I will not fight for you. I will send you letters. I will visit you. I will be kind to you, but I will not defend you in court if you do something that's illegal. If it's legal and it falls within the rule of law, I'll be the first one in line to see you in court and help you. First John chapter 3. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Ooh. Well, we just kind of broadened the scope a little, didn't we? Now, folks... Here's where it gets really tough. And here's where I like to go back to uh, look at the top headline. Violence and hatred part two. What's the next three words? Conflicted, confused Christians. We're going to change America. Well, then you better do it, Amer do it according to legal procedures. If you're going to get your AR-15 and you're going to show up in Racine or Kenosha or Milwaukee and take over and take over the country or take over the city or go to Washington, D.C., and I'm not going to get into all the politics, but uh, you show up and if uh, uh, what happened on January 6th, nobody knows. But if you show up 
you get your 20 or 30 or 40 or 100 or 200 people and you bring your AR-15s down to Washington, expect to be killed or go to jail. You're not going to win. You say, why? Well, because just on the secular level, you can't outgun America. You just can't. There's people that think they can. They think, think they're smarter than the government. You're not going to win. I'm, I'm just telling you. Never happened, never will. Not in this day and age. When the Antichrist comes on, it's just going to get that much worse. Folks, the stage is being set for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. It's going to get worse. Well, we're going to change. God bless you. You do what you think you got to do. But it better stay within the confines of the law or you're the one that's going to suffer. Think about that. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. First Peter. Finally, talking to believers, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tender-hearted. Be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for revival or reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Now we've got about seven minutes left. First John, and I'm just going to go through this quickly, says they will know we are Christians by our what? Not by our violence, not by how big our muscles get, not by how many guns we carry down the street. They will know we are Christians by our love. Now, folks, again, I've made it very clear. Second Amendment, all for it. Protecting your family and others, all for it. Being a vigilante and going out on the streets and attempting to cause a revolution, I'm not going to endorse it. You say, why? Because it's, it's not going to work. You are going to end up dead or you are going to end up in jail. I, I'm just telling you. There are those that disagree with that opinion. There are those that go back in history and say, well, what about when? I don't care about what about when. I don't care what history states. I don't care about revolutions that have taken place. This is what my Bible says, and I'm going to stick by it. If you disagree with it, God bless you. Then uh, you're on your own. I cannot endorse it. Apostle Peter, how did he die? Roman authorities sentenced him to death by crucifixion. Wait a minute. Here's Jesus. They're going to crucify him. They're going to arrest him. We need to fight to the death for him. <laughs> Jesus said, knock it off. Peter, put your sword away. Andrew martyred in Pet Patras, Greece, and was crucified upside down in an X-shaped cross. Why in the world didn't God say, listen, you fight to the death for uh, Andrew? Why don't you guys get together? We got hundreds of folks. We had the upper room thing. Why, why can't we get together and fight for him? Because Jesus never said to do it. Well, what about the Old? We're not in the Old Testament times. You want to live in the Old Testament dispensation, you've you got 613 commandments you better be following. The Apostle Matthew, an unconfirmed report that he died a martyr in Ethiopia. No, he wasn't on the front lines. No, he didn't take out a, a, a weapon. He, didn't, he wasn't attacking somebody with a sword and killed in battle. He was martyred. He was killed because he was following Christ. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, was skinned alive and beheaded. You say, well, that's disgusting. I, I agree, it's disgusting. You say, do you want to die that way? Absolutely not. Do I want any, anyone to die that way? Absolutely not. Why didn't they fight to the death? Apostle Thomas, martyred in 72 A.D. Philip, two different 
traditions on him. He died of natural causes according to one tradition, but according to another of crucifixion. The apostle James, the son of Zebedee, was beheaded in Jerusalem. By the way, folks, remember the Jewish people in Jerusalem? Remember in 586 B.C. what happened when the government moved in on the believers in God in 586 B.C.? What happened to the Jewish people who were followers of God? His people. They messed up. They weren't doing right. What did God say? He allowed the Babylonians to come in. Massive murder. Massive deportation. So why didn't they rise up and fight? wasn't God's will, folks. Seventy years they spent in Babylonian captivity until they got their hearts right with God and came back, served Him for a short time, and then they rebelled again. In AD 70, they were under what government? Rome. What happened when the Jewish people decided to fight against Rome? Same exact thing happened. Titus the general comes in, wipes them out. Say, wait a minute, what about the, didn't they try to raise up a, a, a revolt? Yeah, they did. Then they had the Barkova revolt. A lot of Jewish people died. If you've been to Israel and you've been up on Masada, many of you have seen it on the television. Several hundred Jewish people go up on top of Masada, big giant. I mean, you, it's it's a bear to get up there. We, we take uh, they have a cart now that uh, I forget what you call it, an air tram that you go on to get up to the top because it's such a difficult place. Jewish people went up there to get away from the Roman government. Roman government figured out how to finally get up there, and all but two were slain. Uh, They killed themselves, actually, because they didn't want to fall into the hands of the Romans. I don't recommend doing that, by the way. Apostle Matthias stoned to death, according to Hippolytus of Rome. Matthew died of old age, one or the other. Apostle John died sometime after AD 98, possibly surviving, so we... He definitely was able to live a full life from what we know. The Apostle James the Less, according to High Hippolytus uh, again, James, when preaching in Jerusalem, was stoned to death. All right, so you say, well, what's your point? Here's my point. Here's where you have to figure out your balance. Here's where you have to figure out what is right, what is wrong, what is Christian, what is secular, what is my will versus what is God's will. And here's why we have conflicted cultural Christians, because not once, not once, except with what Peter did, did God ever say go out and try and change things by violence. He didn't do it once. Only time it happened, God said, knock it off, Peter, put your sword away. He walks up and heals the guy. You say, are you suggesting we should just succumb? No, what I'm saying is, you do what's legal. That's what the Bible says. You do what's legal. Whatever's within the legal bounds, you go for it. And you go for it. And if you don't like something and you want to fight it, fight it legally. And God will bless. However, we are approaching the end times. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, first couple of verses, it says this. Know that in the last days, perilous, dangerous times will come. You say, I don't like that. Folks, I don't like it either. From a Christian perspective, I'm about as front lines as you can get. 
Every single week I'm on the radio and television. Every single week I'm here. Every single week we're on Facebook, SermonAudio.com, Spotify, WVCY. You say, are you ready to die for your faith? No, I'm really not. But it could happen. I don't want to die that way any more than you do. So we do our thing. We fight for God. We do what we can. We protect our families. We do everything within the confines of the law, just as the Scripture asked us to do. Why? If we want to live a quiet and peaceable life, the best we can. You say, well, wait a minute. And I have to close. We've got one minute. I just read a whole bunch of folks that gave their life for Christ. Now listen, if I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's get every fundamental church in America. We're going to cause a revolution. We're all going to fight up and change the government. Six percent of the world's population actually claims to be true Bible-believing Christians. Say, well, God will give us the victory. No, he won't give you the victory because he's already told us he's not going to give you the victory. So you've got to be careful. You think through these things. and You've got to think of the consequences. That's between you and God. But again, and I'm going to say it one more time just so there's no confusion. You want to go out and buy a gun to defend your family, your friends, and whoever? You go get it. You want to carry around a, a legal firearm? God bless you. You go for it. You need to defend your home? You defend it. That's your Second Amendment constitutional rights. If you choose to do things that are mentioned in Romans chapter 13, Titus chapter 3, you would better be prepared to face the consequences because it's God's Word. Again, people disobey God's Word every single day of, of the week. It happens. What do you choose to do? I just laid out the Scriptures. It's up to you to make those decisions. Fair enough? Some of you are saying, <laughs> it's all right. Just deal with it. Work through it. Search the Scriptures. Father, thank you for your love for us. Lord, this is a difficult situation. There's so many things that get us fired up as Christians. We get sick and tired of getting pushed around. We're sick and tired of the corruption that exists. And I'm sure Paul, the disciples, and the apostles were sick and tired of the corruption from the Roman government. Yet, they suffered and died under it. I'm sure the Jewish people weren't happy about the Babylonians coming in. Yet, they put up a fight. They tried to protect the temple. And yet, they lost because it was your will. So, Father, I pray that you give us wisdom, that you give us understanding. I pray that you do what you really asked us to do, which is not get so uptight about violence, but that we'd really get concerned about winning folks to Jesus Christ, which is what you really have called us to do. You made it very clear we're ambassadors for Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now then, we are your ambassadors. Our job is to tell others the greatest news ever given to mankind, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Lord, help us to be diligent about that. As we know, government never saved one soul. Only God can do that. Help us to walk as you have led us, and we'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, parents, get out there, guard your kids and our chicken, and... <laughs> uh, have a great afternoon, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to meet back here at about 1230. If you can help put the tables up right around 1230.